Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, uh, one callback at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 172, which starts with Aragorn kind of surveying the battlefield around him as the army of the army of the dead cleans up and ends with Eowyn saying to a dying Theoden, I'm going to save you. Which is real heckin' sad. Um, okay, so before we get into the sad half of the minute, I wanted to talk about the first half. Um, so watching the the ghosts, um, take out this oliphant, like, ants swarming over a beetle is the scariest thing. It's very unnerving. There's also, also this weird background shrieking noise yeah, yeah. in the in the track. Um so it's not even a half, it's like 15 seconds. Um my question is do they consume the bodies? Do they no. do they leave them lying there? They leave them lying. We're going to see later just orc bodies everywhere. Okay, so like they're clearing the city. How do they know, um, how do they differentiate between the people who are living there and, and the people who are storming the castle? I would say their, their magical oath to the king prevents them from harming citizens of Gondor. Okay, so is that only, like, loyal citizenry? Like, if someone's just like, yo, oh, screw Oh, like if Denethor Gondor. was here, he'd still be dead. Just- <laughs> oh, really? You think so? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe. He was abandoning the city. He's no longer an ally. That's true. You become an enemy at that point. Yeah, so what if you like have some ill will towards Gondor? Like Sorry. Just you're you're exercising your 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 right to free speech. Get get stabbed by the ghost king, I guess. <laughs> Dead. Alright. That's tyranny. <laughs> Moving on. But like you know what I mean? Like it's very disconcerting yeah. watching they just, it just spiral up the the, the Citadel? Yeah, or the oath is to only slay servants of the enemy. Like, specifically. So, if anyone who was Gondorian died, oh, they must have been a spy. Yeah. That's scary. Just all these all these undiscovered spies that you just suddenly become aware of when they are lying dead in the street. I don't with know. With no visible wounds. I don't know, man. That's sketchy as heck. Ma- oath magic. It's it's the magic, the, the, the force of their oath. Causes them to only kill the servants of Mordor. Okay. That's that's how I explain this away. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because, um, you know what I mean by, like, watching ants swarm a, a big bug? Oh, yeah, like an Amazonian... Oh, no. Do- Amazon documentary with army ants. Oh, no, screw that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens here. The poor elephant. Do you ever, um... I, I could not tell you what it's called. Um... There's, like, a really crappy, like, made-for-TV movie that was, like, on the Sci-Fi channel, I'm fairly certain, about these, like, killer ants. Um, And they weren't big or anything. They were, like, normal ant size. Mm -hmm. But they, like, just had a, like, a lust for flesh or whatever. (laughs) Like, you know, they were, like, man-eating ants. So there were, like, giant ant colonies. Not to be confused with man-eating ants. (laughs) Did you ever... Because, like, there's a scene... In it, where, like, the main character is, like, driving a jeep through, like, this river of, like, ants, 
And then the ants are like trying to swarm the car. It's it's like absurd. I feel like I have this really vague recollection of what you like. I can absurd. picture what you're saying, but I don't know if it's something I it's ever like actually a, saw. It's like a late '90s, maybe like early to mid 2000s like creature feature. Yeah, yeah. And the last shot of the movie because they like flood the valley. Spoilers for this movie. I don't even remember what it's called, but like they flood the valley um, to to kill the ants. Right. And the last shot of the the movie is a single winged ant that's just like chilling, and it's just like, oh no, it's a queen, like, like <laughs> or whatever. And that's how the movie ends. And I was just like, what? And I don't know why that last shot is ingrained in my. There's just a single ghost left from the ghost army that refuses to discorporate. <laughs> But like that's what stalks the streets of Gondor. That is what this reminds me of, and I'm having really like weird, <laughs> like made for TV movie flashbacks. Yeah, but just like look at all the dead bodies around. Yeah, but like most of this, most of them, to me, it looks like um, look like people. Rohirrim, yeah. yeah. A lot of Rohirrim and Gondorian soldiers. Yeah, there's definitely orcs and Herodrim. Because like though. when uh, when when we see Theoden. Around him, I think, are fallen uh, Ro- Rohirrim yeah. soldiers. There's yeah. like five of them. Yeah, I think. No, there's at least. Th- oh, it's not in this minute. There's three. At the end of the week, uh, there's like a shot over some bodies. I remember this from when I was taking notes. There's a shot over some bodies when Pippin is looking for Mary. Uh-huh. And there's just a severed arm lying on the battlefield. Oh, nice. It's just chilling. But yeah, so. It's just like he gets up and, and moves around like thing. Oh, yeah, about a whole arm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then we we go from Aragorn kind of surveying the battlefield. We get that shot of them going through the city. Every time we get a, get to see, like, a rotating shot of the Minas Tirith miniature, I'm just like, man, how quintessential fantasy does the city look? Yes, yes, very much so. It's so good. I love this. I, it's definitely one of my favorite miniatures. I love the way Minas Tirith looks in these movies. It's it's From the outside, really it's cool. so cool. There's this spire of rock that cuts the city in half. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone is walking across the, the, the Pelennor fields, these big plains, and it's, oh, I'm going to build a city around that. You know what would be sick in that mountain? A whole city. Look at that, look at that cliff. The way it just juts out. Huh. I'm going to put my castle way the hell up there. <laughs> I want it right there. I'm going to be able to walk out here in the morning and look over all of this. That's kind of like a conqueror mentality, right? Yeah. Just put my castle right there and look at everything that's mine. Man. Hell yeah. Gondor, what what you doing? I'm really sad that the only good look we get of the barding on Theoden's horse is when it's dead. Yep. And like, like I don't want to look at a dead horse. I'm pretty sure Even all the shots- Even if it's like a fake horse, I don't want to look at that. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure all the shots of Theoden's horse that are in the movie are shots of a fake horse. Yeah, I would hope so. But it's they like did bleeding from like three. They apparently spots. did film stuff where they got a horse to lie down over Bernard Hill just in a hole. Oh man, that's dangerous. <laughs> he's in a hole, and they got the horse to lie down. Oh, I see. Over him, so he's like he's like laying in a depression. Yeah, not being crushed uh, by a five hundred pound animal. Right, and then they how, they how redid it with a, and then they did it with a fake horse. Yeah, like five hundred to like eight hundred pounds, I guess. Probably depending on the breed. The biggest breeds probably weigh more than that. Oh yeah, like like a lot more than that. Thousand pounds, easy. Yeah, maybe more. I don't know. Clydesdale is a big freaking animal. I did look up the world's largest horse for like riding reasons recently, but I don't. Like seven feet at the shoulder, right? The world, the largest ever. The largest ever recorded. That we know about. Yeah, recorded. Yeah. He's a big boy. 
Right. And then you got to imagine it's it's neck to its head. I, it's I like could another not tell you how 18 many to hands, 20 inches above that. Right. I could not tell you how many hands uh, it was. It was over 20. Um, I don't know what the conversion rate is from like hands to to it's feet. probably like just over hands six to inches. Feet. Hands Whoa. to feet. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about this, right? Because I was trying I to figure look it out. I could it up, but like, you know, whatever. Because you were telling me that like the, the six foot ten or whatever is 14 hands tall or whatever. No. No, it's 20 something hands tall. Yeah. Okay. So, hold up. World's largest horse. <laughs> so in my brain, I was like, but hands are like six to eight inches long from like base of the palm to tip of the right, finger. But, like, but then I realized, no. When they say hands, they're measuring across, not along. So, like, hands tall is oh, probably... Oh, like width, not Yeah, length. because you would put your hands across the side of the horse and, horse and go up like this. Which oh. the viewers can't see, but you can, so you can understand what I'm telling you. So, the current world's largest horse is t- 20 hands and 2.75 inches. Yes. Um... Which is 210 centimeters for our people who use metric. 82.75 inches tall. That's absurd. Oh, so a hand is about four inches. Okay. A hand is four inches because 82 inches, 70.75. So 20 and a half hands. So, yeah, four inches wide for a hand. That makes sense. Okay. That feels right. Yeah. Um, And then the, the one in the 1800s that... Is like the world's largest ever recorded is is twenty one point two and a half hands. Yes, eighty six point five inches or two hundred and twenty centimeters. That is a that's a big horse. A big boy. Very big. But uh, yeah, I was Same. I was writing. <laughs> but now this is this is uh, snowman. Lying dead with Aiden. It's so sad. Um. Oh yeah, but the the barding is really cool. I like the the leather work. Um. I like the sunburst and the the um. What's it called? Chevron pattern. Yeah. Um, but and the chevron patterns build outwards from like a central point. Yeah. Yeah. And then where the sun is is like another point where chevrons build out from. Yeah, I like it's, it. It's cool the way it's it's put together. Yeah. Yeah. He's just laying here. Underneath it. The king and his steed. Mm-hmm. I um, Slain by getting yeeted. Kind of, yeah. So, she crawls to him. Um, and I like, I like how he opens his eyes, and then he's just like, wait, what? Like, like he, he like crinkles his brow just a tiny bit, just like, what is happening? Like, excuse me. Yeah, you're you're not supposed to be here. Which kind of ties back to that look he gave her earlier when he saw her from behind. Yeah. Is that? Do you no, can't be. do you think that he thinks this is a vision? I do. Yeah, I think the way Bernard Hill plays it, he he doesn't realize it's completely real. Mm. It's him. In my mind, it might be him thinking he's having a vision to give him to have more closure over the last conversation he had with Eowyn yeah. back at the camp because she's clearly not happy about it at the time and he's emotionally intelligent enough to realize that. Yeah. So he might think that this is just him, his, his, his mind giving him closure in his last moments. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, this uh, this this starts with a callback. Mm-hmm. I know your face, which I have never picked up on. Um, yeah. in all the times I've seen this, I never realized that. Um, that's the first thing he says to her when he when um Saruman is is dispelled. Yep. Theoden's last words to Eowyn are an echo of his first words actually responding to her in Two Towers. Which, like, oh god, my heart. Because he's in a similar state. He's... Right. He is well, a I, shadow of himself because he's on his way out. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that it's similar. A uh, similar state of clarity, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. He's, he's losing all this blood. Ugh, no. Dying. And then her response to him, I kind of want to talk, like, there's so little of the death scene is really in this minute. Yeah. There's just this long establishing shot of Theoden's body as Eowyn is crawling to him. Yeah. And then just a a very short exchange of lines. He talks about his vision and his vision beginning to darken. Uh Uh-huh. And then she says, I'm going to save you. She says, no, no, I'm going to save you. Which is heart wrenching. Yeah. My eyes are wet. <laughs> My boy, Theoden. Um, so did you want to talk about... So in the in the book, it's Mary who gets Theoden's last words? Because Eowyn collapses after defeating the Witch King? Yeah. Because of the shock of it all? Right. Uh, although the description of how she kills the Witch King is pretty much the same. Stab- she in the in the book it uses the fr- she uh she stabs him between crown and mantle, so right in the face, right in the face, nice. And then she passes out, and Mary is the one who who sees Theoden and talks to him. Mm-hmm. He uses some of the same lines because I'm he says my body is broken in the minute tomorrow. Yeah, uh, which is the first thing he says to Mary. Farewell, Master Holbitla. My body is broken. I go to my fathers, and even in their mighty company I shall not now be ashamed. I felled the black serpent, a grim morn and a glad day, a golden sunset. Did he? Uh, I, I don't know if he fully understands what's going on around him while he's dying. Uh-huh. He just, he knows the witch king is dead. Ah. And then, like, Mary, Mary apologizes for coming along, regardless of how Theoden felt about it. And Theoden forgives him in his, his dying moments. I like that they changed it for this because, yeah. like, uh, the only conversation Mary has with Theoden is cut from the theatrical. So yeah, well, because they they cut out this sort of like mentor mentee like warmness between them from the book. Yeah, because they have more of a they have more of a relationship in the book. Right. There's just not not a good space there's, for it yeah, in the movie. Yeah, there's not. You don't have the screen time. Yeah, like you can't establish any more with Mary. Than kind of the way they do in in these movies as is, where he clearly views the hobbits as like these charming people, mm-hmm. just kind of how he's just so taken to how they can remain in such high spirits all the time, yeah, despite everything going on around them, and he's just charmed by them, which I think comes across in Bernard Hill's performance, yeah. But yeah, you, you don't have the time to build in extra conversations with Mary. Not in a movie format. No. Anyway, like if um, like if this was not even a miniseries because the, these movies are as long as a miniseries. So like a full fledged like TV show, um, 
there would definitely be the time to establish a lot of the connections that get cut because just for the sake of expediency in the uh but in... i oh sorry uh, no you can do uh i like that they changed that because we have established already this um relationship between eowyn and and her uncle um and i think it's more poignant it like plays better than like imagining mary also yeah. here you know what i mean yeah i think so in in the context of everything going on uh it would it would also have made sense if killing the witch king had knocked out eowyn yeah but i think that it makes you need this moment of closure especially in a movie yes you need to have it yeah so it it's really important that they did this this way. I agree. Like yeah. I, I in the in the context of the movies, it absolutely needs to be Aowen. This is a very um good and and like effective change. Yeah. In the in the context of the book, the thing with Mary is a different kind of tragic end for Theoden because he believes that Aowen is still back in Rohan. Yeah. He's he's he tells Mary he uh, he needs to see Aomer before his eyes darken completely. So that he can have words sent to Eowyn and crown Aomer king on the battlefield. Mm. So he he believes that Eowyn is still home and safe and and unbothered by anything that happened here. Yeah. So there's like a different kind of tragedy in Theoden's death than what we have here in the movie. Right. Because there's, there's dramatic irony. Which I don't like for this moment. I like, um, I like it to be more uh, like a genuine... Like goodbye, I think. Because... Yeah, it's also more about Eowyn, yeah, which I think is yeah. really important yeah. after the "I am no man" scene. That you need, you you need this. Yes, you absolutely need this. Yes, because she was willing to die for, for him. Him, yeah. And now, even though she she comes to his aid and defeats the thing that she was trying to save him from, it was it was too late. Right. It wasn't enough. And like the hard lesson of that is one of the things that I think pulls Eowyn out of seeking any kind of valor and warfare anymore mm. is because even though she was brave and stood up and did the heroic thing, it wasn't enough to save her uncle. Yeah. So she loses some of the way she sees value in battle. Yeah. That makes sense. Which, yeah, which tracks for me perfectly. And Faramir would have a similar mindset. I mean, he already does. Yeah, he never saw Valor in battle in the first place, but now he, but he's someone who, who understands that in a more fundamental way than Eowyn does. Mm -hmm. So it's another way that Faramir being with Eowyn post this makes sense for the two of them. Mm -hmm. Because he is better at navigating what she is probably now feeling. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, because like, she doesn't care about um, the like. I mean, I'm sure she cares about, like, the, the broad strokes, like, this is the end of the world stuff. Um, but in the moment, she, like, and she doesn't care about, like, a prophecy or anything. Like, you know, the Witch King can't be killed by any living man. Like, she doesn't, the only thing that she's focused on is, like, protecting Theoden. her, like, the only parent figure that she has left. Yeah. So... And, like, even from that level, like, not only is it, like, her only, like, her uncle, but it's also, like, her king. Yeah. Too, so. Right. Eowyn has no closure in the movie without this. Right, yeah. Which would suck. Like, Eowyn doesn't really get closure in the book. Yeah. It sucks. (laughs) Because, I mean, in in the context of the book, 
I think it works because it just plays to a different kind of tragedy. Yeah. But it's not cinematic. Like there's like Amor shows up right after Theoden passes. It's and... more of like a like a Shakespearean tragedy. You know yeah. what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is dead and there's nothing that could have been done. Yeah. It, it, well, I mean, Aomer showing up too late um, happens here. Yeah, too. they keep that in the movie. Yeah. But in the in the book, um, he shows up to like give a little a, a short little speech to send off Theoden. Mm-hmm. So it's like a different sort of thing in the book. Right. Like this, this whole thing in the book gets across like a lot of the same things, but the context is all totally different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Theoden's last words to Mary even include, you know, I, I hope you'll be happy when you think back on this later in life and smoke your pipe. Oh, uh, yeah. He, 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 he refers to Mary as having a great heart. That's cute. Yeah. He loves the little guy. He just wanted him to stay back in Rohan and be safe. Right. With Eowyn. I mean, because, like, that makes sense, too, because Thaden is a protector. Yeah. Like, foremost. So, he's so of course, he's going to want to, like, protect, like, you know. I also quickly, I guess, want to mention, because we didn't, uh, when when it happened in Two Towers, I didn't go try to see and find if it was from the book. But the way Aragorn describes Eowyn as shield maiden of Rohan, daughter of kings, is from the description of Eowyn right before she kills the Witch King. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I think that's cool that they pulled just this this description from the book that isn't dialogue and gave it to Aragorn. Yeah. Which is what they do with a lot of stuff. They took a lot of descriptions and turned it into dialogue for characters. Yeah, yeah. We just talked about that with um, the Pippin and Gandalf mm-hmm. conversation not too long ago. It's just another example of it. And uh, I, I just think it's cool that they to see another one and be like, oh, hey. Yeah. That's in the movie, too. Also, this scene was directed by Fran. Yeah, you know, she, because they, like, she does what she's, she, like, excels at. She excels at, like, these, like, emotionally, um, uh, like, emotionally charged and, like, emotionally intimate, um, conversations between characters. Yeah, this, it, it, it's pretty clear most of the time when it was something directed by Fran. Yeah. Even without them telling me. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because you said that, I'm like, oh, of course, of, well, of course, course it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. This is like a like a nuanced, close to the camera, character study moment. Yes, it was directed by Fran. Yes, there's probably a handful. There's a handful probably directed by Peter. Probably most of the most of the uh, Sam and Frodo stuff I think is directed by Peter. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, if it's a lot of the Aon, um, stuff, because the um. The scene at the beginning of the movie with where um she's dreaming, right? Is also was also a Fran scene? I think so. I think that was also directed by Fran, yeah. Yeah. With with her and Aragorn? Yeah. Which I think is the I think we said this back then, but I think that's the scene that like sells the idea that there could be a relationship between them mm. better than any other scene between them <laughs> in the movies. But yeah. Uh I don't have anything else for this minute. We're going to we're going to talk more about Theoden uh, slowly fading away. Perishing. Yeah. The the end of then the end perish. of Theoden. But uh yeah, so we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, but if you want to check out anything else on the website, you can head to duelinggenre.com and if you head to duelinggenre.com/support, you can lend us your support on Patreon. I'm reading the wrong thing. It's okay. 
I mean, it's it it's good to reiterate stuff. Yeah. I was just confused because I was like, wait, it's not Monday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. So yeah, head to the website and check out some of the non-movies by minutes podcasts, uh, including the protagonist podcast, Doctor's Companion, Tales from the Short Box. Also check out Geek by Night and Immunities, the two audio dramas on yes, the website. Please. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to be sad some more. I think we're going to be on protagonist soon. Soon. Talking about two, two towers. towers. Yeah. <laughs> sometime in the next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. I think this month. I don't remember. Yeah. Sometime in August, I think is what we were told. Can you believe it's August already? Uh, it feels like it should be next year. Like WTF. I don't know what you're talking about. It feels like August already. It feels I- like it should be next March. I feel like it's May. <laughs> like No. I, f- I feel like an... In- this like is a, just over like, a year has gone by. This is just weird, nebulous. I don't know. I don't know. Pandemic times. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow. Sad times. Bad times. It was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Bye. Bye.